spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, welcome in to a special emergency edition of the Ragin' Review podcast. This is Matt Miguez, your host. I am joined by Man About Town. Matt, what's going on, man? I'm fired up, Matt. I'm fired up, dog. Dude, we are all fired up, and there's plenty of reason to do so. Like we said, special emergency edition of the podcast. Reason why we will be joined later in the show by a college football legend. Legend, I I can't emphasize the word legend enough. Phil Steele, the writer of the College Football Bible, will join us at at the end of the show. We had a great interview with him earlier. We're super excited to share it with you guys. Matt, what were your thoughts on the interview? I didn't think. I think I blacked out, (laughs) Uh, if I'm being honest. Phil was awesome, man. I mean, my God, what do you say? That was great. Before we before we send you to the interview, we will recap the Billy Napier press conference from yesterday, getting ready for the 2020 football season. You know, he, he opened the press conference showing appreciation for the coverage and honoring of the late DJ Looney, and he asked for all to continue to pray for DJ's family. And then he went on, he, he was asked about COVID-19, and this is a quote directly from Coach Billy Napier. We are 100% as a university, athletic department, staff, and entire football organization committed to the safety and players of our staff. We've got a good working dialogue at all levels of leadership on our campus. When it comes to COVID-19, the key is education. It's one thing to know, and it's another thing to apply. That's the whole idea. Each individual person has to apply what we've learned about. And then he went to go on into the bad news, which is which is injuries. Obviously, you know, that's never good when, Brutal. when a coach talks injuries. He began with Kendall Wilkerson, who will be out for the season and will redshirt after suffering a broken leg and a wrist injury in a car accident. By the way, for my money, that's the loss. Uh, you know, the other two are big. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but we know what we have on offense. We know we have leadership and we have cohesion. Uh, I'm not saying that we don't have it on defense, but, you know, losing Ron and having a few movements uh, or adjustments and losing Jacques and, you know, Mike and those guys, those leaders, um, I think Wilkerson's a big loss. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Napier says that there's a very small percentage he can make it back for the final four games of the year. Nah, redshirt But him. it's highly unlikely. Oh, no, we need him in 21, okay? So just redshirt him, do the right thing. That's That's the right call. Napier was also quoted saying that we get to decide every day what the culture in our building is going to be like. It's key that we show up every day and understand that the behavior and attitudes we see are either taught or allowed. Which, you know, I love hearing that from a head coach because you're either going to teach them the right way to do it or you're allowing them to do the wrong things, which obviously the the second part can't be done. Well, we've already experienced the second part. So right. that's what you get in a Coach Napier and a staff that he's assembled. We. Those are the uh, those are the unspeakable. We already know, you know. More injury news for the Cajuns: Khalif Gossett tore his Achilles and is out for the year, and then wide receiver Jamal Bell will also be out for the year. He injured his PCL ligament last season. That was the injury that kept him out for the majority of the year. Come to find out that he now needs a procedure on that PCL mm. and will miss this season as well. He expects both to redshirt and return for their redshirt senior seasons 
next year. Khalif's unfortunate. We, you know, we talked about it extensively last podcast and uh, our last episode. We want, we wanted to see what he could do. We thought he could play a little bully ball. Uh, man, it's, I hate to see him go down. Yeah, speedy uh, recovery though. Absolutely, prayers and speedy recovery to to all three injured Cajuns. Napier also said we have a good group, a long way to go, and it will certainly be a one day at a time approach. Uh, training camp will take place over the next ten days. They're going to have seven practices, and on the eighth day, they're going to have a red on white scrimmage. Good. Um, if and then you know he obviously the topic is going back to COVID nineteen. Of course, uh, if someone asked you last year what contact tracing was, you wouldn't have a clue. If someone said to mitigate, you'd probably have to look it up. You know, it's a fluid situation. We must continue to learn as much as possible about mitigating the spread of this virus. He was asked about positive test results in the team and said he's not allowed to comment on it. And so far, none of his players have made the decision to opt out of the season due to COVID-19. Well, that's good news. But adds that he would have no issue at all if someone chooses to. Well, yeah, I mean, what are you going to say? No, I mean... That's the correct answer, and I think Billy's a genuine guy, so I don't think it's... You know he's not just playing. You know PC, but what are you gonna do? You right. tell a man that you tell a man who's worried about his safety that he can't make the decision. <laughs> I mean you have to do that. So and that's just a, that's just the world we're living in now. Yeah, no, of course. And moving moving on, talking more about the the injured receivers. Napier says we're fortunate that we will have Peter LeBlanc and Jalen Williams back, who both have significant experience, and a handful of other players who played smaller roles last season. And we've also added five rookies in that position. Right. Johnny Lumpkin. Um, Who, by the way, very interesting that our guest Phil Steele mentioned. Yeah, he he raved about Johnny Lumpkin. Johnny Lumpkin. You know, the thing about Johnny Lumpkin is that he does everything well. He he does do everything. Matt well. Barnes told me that on more than one occasion. So I'm very excited. Me being a tight end guy, very excited to see what Johnny Lumpkin can do in 2020. Getting Johnny Lumpkin back will be a shot in the arm, according to Napier. He has some work to do to get back in football shape, and we know the type of player that he is capable of being. He's a P5 tight end. Yeah, there, there's there's no doubt about that. And then, you know, the main topic of conversation outside of COVID-19 at the press conference yesterday was, of course, quarterback Levi Lewis. Uh, his leadership and character are as important as ever. All the things he's been able to do to affect our team. Overall, his knowledge and consistency of performance is big. And last year, he played critically down the stretch. There's another step for Levi. For sure, he's definitely the leader of our team. When he says jump, we all ask how high. As a coach, he makes me better, our staff better, and every player on the team better. Matt, attitude reflects leadership. Absolutely. If this team reflects Levi Lewis's leadership, we're going to be damn good. Napier also says that this year we'll play more guys than we ever have, both because that's our philosophy and how much competition is currently going on in the Performance Center. That's awesome. That's going to be interesting. And obviously another topic was new place kicker Nate Snyder the grad transfer from Indiana, what he's going to do in the in the special teams program. Uh, Napier was quoted saying, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the team. That's scary. <laughs> I'll be honest. We, we I, Our specialists have got to be good this year. I, I think uh, when we go to play App State, whether it be you know up in App or up in Boone or for a championship in the league, it might come down to a field goal. And uh, that's, you know... <laughs> We want to shore up the, the specialists. So, Nate, got nothing but confidence in you, buddy. Just do your thing. All right, Cajun Nation, do you want us to keep talking or? Well, I do want to mention one thing. It's it's interesting to uh, to note that Brian Maggard did make comments on I think it was KPL 
said that uh, in phase two, 50% seating capaci- capacity at Cajun Field for home games. Really? Did say I that. missed that. I'm not sure how the, the that affects tailgating. So, so and I, I hate to be blunt about this, but 50% capacity is Don't say it. what we had in stands last year. Ugh. I mean, is, is it? Well, it's embarrassing. It's true. And look, we did an it's entire not episode. Wrong. We did an entire episode bashing Acadiana for not showing up to support this team. Now, if you guys just show up, we can have the excuse that we'll, we couldn't do any better. So right. That, that, that's built the an best excuse. We do. Right. Anyway, at any rate, uh, uh, we get to be seen on tailgating. Uh, I will tailgate from from Congress if I have to, but. We're going to show a Razor Review will be in the building when we play football. And then also, before we head to the interview, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Russo Exploration and Priority Access Urgent Care. Um, you know, both are phenomenal local businesses that have agreed to, you know, take a chance on us and and help us grow to be the best fan podcast for Louisiana athletics that we could possibly be. Best podcast in the G5 is the is the goal. That's the stated goal, and we're going to get there. Uh, Chris Russo believed in us. It's not a stranger to you guys, especially in the baseball fan base. Uh, he's a good man. He believes in the pod, believes in what we're doing, and he gave us a shot. So we're going to do everything we can to honor his business and do it in a respectful way. Uh, we're also going to partner with RCAF via Chris Russo, and you guys will learn more about that in the coming episodes. Uh, Mr. Ed Haney is opening up on August the 19th. We will be live and in living color. For him at his urgent care uh, priority access we'll be there come and meet us come and say hello we'll give away some stuff and send you on your way with uh with some merch so you guys be looking out for that but these are two excellent human beings that want to uh, be a part of this podcast and we're looking forward to the relationship more to announce as we go uh but for now th- those are the guys that are that are uh like i said signed on the dotted line and that's a big deal uh for anybody that uh, understands how it works behind the scenes so Thanks to those guys, and uh, I'll give it to Matt, and enjoy the interview. We sure the hell did. All right, Cajun Nation, without further ado, Matt and Man About Town sit down with Bill Steele. Cajun Nation, welcome back to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here, and we, Man About Town is here with me as well. Josh, what's going on? I am thrilled to announce the guest that we have on the line today. Well, then, if you were so thrilled, why don't you go ahead and take it away? We were able to uh, reach out to uh, Mr. Phil Steele's uh, media people, and they were so kind to get back to us. And uh, on the line is Mr. Phil Steele himself. Hey, how the heck are you guys today? Oh, man. Doing Phil, wonderful. Phil, we're doing phenomenal. We we can't thank you enough for you know joining us today and breaking down the, the 2020 football season for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Yeah, it's a pretty good team coming back this year, so it should be fun. You've been very complimentary about us, and, uh, you know, nerds like ourselves, NCAA football is uh, something we, we live and breathe, so uh, somebody like you having all these great things to say about our football program is, is very nice to read and see, and we can't say how much we appreciate uh, that enough. I'll, that's going to lead into my first question, Phil. Uh, there's something down here that we've been kind of fighting for about 15, 20 years, and that's our, our name battle. Uh, I know that you've probably gotten inundated with emails and calls, but uh, I wanted to ask you about that in particular. Uh, you were one of the very first national publications to go ahead and, you know, kind of respect our, our rebranding effort. And uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns was born, uh, you know, 20 years ago or so. And we, we finally got some national traction. Uh, I'm curious as to what went into that decision with you and your staff 
uh, go ahead and, you know, honor that that name change. Uh, what went on behind the scenes on that? Well, the uh, the school contacted us naturally and uh, said that they would prefer to be called by that name. And naturally, there's been some pushback from ULM fans, LSU fans, and the like. Uh, but uh, well, for the most part, we were able to put it in there and, and haven't got that much pushback on it. So uh, we like to, to let the schools call themselves what they call themselves. And uh, that's what we opted to go in that route. And on the, on the behalf of our fan base and our community, we can't say again can't say enough how much we appreciate that so i just wanted to give a little inside baseball on that and and say thank you but uh how uh have you ever had the opportunity to visit lafayette uh and uh if you have how was your experience if you haven't how can we get you down here to feed you <laughs> no i haven't had time in fact i talk to 110 of the 130 head coaches each year but it's all via phone because i'll do six seven coaches in a day and each conversation takes about an hour. If I was traveling from campus to campus, uh, my six months that I do preparing the magazine would probably turn into nine months. And uh, that would be a pretty tough extra uh, addition to it. But uh, I think that would be fun to come down there. A lot of good football played in Louisiana. Even high school football is uh, it's one of the best, best uh, states out there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's plenty of talent, especially in our own backyard. Phil, you know, the, the quality of play – especially at the top of the Sun Belt with schools like App State, Louisiana, Arkansas State, and so on. How do, how do they compare with the quality at the top of other G5 leagues? Yeah, I think when you're looking at them at the top, uh, let's, let's compare them to uh, the uh, MAC conference this year. I mean, the MAC has teams like Buffalo, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, uh, maybe Toledo, but I would have App State rated above them, and the same thing with Louisiana. Louisiana's got that dominant run game with the offensive line and the running backs. And, uh, I love what Billy Napier is doing there at Louisiana. So uh, right at the top, I would put uh, the Sun Belt ahead of the MAC in that respect. Now, the American Conference, I'm going to take the American Conference, guys. I mean, you're talking UCF, Memphis, uh, Cincinnati. A uh, team like Navy is in fourth place there. I, I'm going to take the American. Mount West Conference got Boise State up there uh, at the top. Uh, Nevada is up there this year. Uh, so it's pretty close there. And then, uh, oh, CUSA is the other one. And CUSA has got UAB, uh, which I like a lot. But I think it's comparable to CUSA as well. Now, you know, the one one hot-button topic here, especially in Lafayette this year, is – the New Year's Six Bowl G5 representative coming from the Sun Belt. What needs to happen around the rest of the country in conferences like the American and the Mountain West and CUSA from a strength of schedule standpoint for that to happen? Well, now, I think this year, uh, with most of the conferences, the group of five conferences playing eight games and trying to find two or four non-conference games, got to win the non-conference games for starters probably have to finish with a better record. I mean, uh, I'll tell you guys where I ranked the American Conference last year. I ranked the American Conference as the fifth best conference in college football ahead of the ACC. That was my respect level for them last year. Uh, and I think if you have the American Conference champ, the UCF of Memphis, Cincinnati, it's going to be tough to get past them unless there's a game advantage. Let's say App State or Louisiana runs the table, goes unbeaten this year, and the American Conference champ has one or two losses then it would be a possibility. But I think the two things that have to happen is a, uh, a better record 
then the champ from the American Conference, or maybe even the Mountain West Conference, and then win those non-conference games. Yeah, and I guess the follow-up would be, uh, with all the upheaval and scheduling, do you think that we have a legitimate opportunity in the Sun Belt to be the representative? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, like I said, Coach Napier is doing a phenomenal job. And you look at this team this year, even with all the injuries they suffered on the offensive line last year, uh, this is one of the best offensive lines, not only in the Sun Belt, but I rank it number 11 in the country. I mean, Torrance, Mitchell, Rope, Robertson, all guys that have NFL caliber uh, offensive linemen. Johnny Lumpkin, one of the better tight ends out there. And then you got to love the run game. And I know that uh, Kalei is gone, but with Mitchell and Regis. And then Coach Napier has been talking to me about Chris Smith for two years now. He just hasn't been able to get on the field that much. Still, he averaged to over 10 yards a carry last year. That's a, that is quite a trio of running backs. So veteran quarterback and Levi Lewis. Seems like he's been there for about 10 years. <laughs> and then you look at him defensively. Jalen Humphrey is a guy that's going to have a major impact, I think, this year on that defensive front. Uh, Zion Hill at defensive end is a guy that can – I think he'll produce more sacks this year. Joe Dillon at the linebacker spot should have a breakout year. And uh, I could see him get drafted in the NFL. Percy Butler at free safety is a physical, fast guy that's very productive. So do they have the talent to uh, play with an App State? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I thought they played strong against App State each of the last couple of years. Agreed. And I would love to get into specifics on players. Uh, You mentioned Coach Napier a few times. Uh, obviously, we love him down here. Uh, I know that you've probably spoken to Coach Napier more than anybody else on this staff. Uh, if you if you have been able to speak to some of these other coaches, what is your impression of this coaching staff as a whole? Uh, what impresses you the most about Coach Napier as well? Well, Coach Napier is a guy that, that got it done uh, pretty much everywhere he's been. And, uh, you know, he's, I love the, the pieces that he's assembling here at Louisiana, just seeing the, the overall uh, way this team has played in each of his first two years and to see the growth and then to see the way that the team is set up this year. All that is extremely impressive. Uh, I haven't talked to any of the other coaches, just Coach Napier. And, uh, but he has been very, uh, very kind with his time. Conversations usually last a little over an hour, and uh, I, I just love the way he's building the team. That would probably be my the thing that's most impressed me. Phil Steele, our guest. Phil, we're, we're getting close, about four weeks away from the 2020 season, you know, tentatively. In your opinion for this Louisiana program, what is the ceiling in 2020? Uh, have they finalized the non-conference schedule yet? In flux. We're still getting okay. new information as of two hours ago. All right. Uh, well, I think when you look at the schedule this year, every game is winnable. And you, now you look at the App State game, uh, which was scheduled for October 7th on a Wednesday, you wonder about the crowd capacity. And so can you win on the road at App State? I think full crowd, App State's going to usually win all their home games. But Louisiana's got that opportunity. In fact, I think more road teams this year are going to win uh, more than any other year. So uh, I'm really, I think the matchups, the App State game and the Arkansas State game are the two key games for Louisiana this year. Can they win those? Absolutely. In fact, you know, last year Louisiana was one of the most experienced teams in the country, number 15. And generally, when I make a statement like that, my next statement is now this year they drop back to so-and-so. 
uh, Louisiana actually improved to number 13 on my experience chart this year. So even slightly more experience than last year. As mentioned, I love a team that can run the football at any time, and they can do that with their running back core and the offensive line and a, and a quarterback that's very capable. And I, I think defensively, I like what they have. And like I said, Taylor Humphrey is a guy that could become a star this year. So I'm looking for an improvement on the defense. The offense will be just as potent, and that means they can beat anybody on their schedule. You know, you, you talked about our capable quarterback. We love Levi Lewis, and we know that you are on the Davy O'Brien Award voting committee. What do you expect to see out of Levi Lewis this season? And, you know, how has your opinion changed? I don't know what your opinion was last year going into the year, but how has it changed over the last season? Well, you know, the, the one thing that I like uh, out of Levi was there's question marks coming in last year. We had not been the starter. Uh, now he's you know entering his second year. But uh, you wondered a little bit about the pass game, how that was going to be. And, and Levi last year, 26 touchdown passes, just four interceptions, and a capable runner. And that's always important in this offense. I think you have to have a quarterback that's mobile and, and can run the football. So I, I think Levi showed last year he set the school record for touchdowns yards passing and he's really the leader of the team he's a, uh, a proven winner and you know, the thing i like about him uh, coach napier says he's a relentless worker and i'll take that from the coach anytime i like guys that work hard like that uh you know a pattern that's what i do and so i'm always impressed when the coach says that about a player and that's that's all good things to have in your quarterback situation thanks for saying that that's uh that's a little bit of something that you know, we just learned a little bit about Levi there. Uh, Phil, speaking of awards, Louisiana's got two tailbacks on the Dope Walker Award watch list. Uh, coming from the G5 rank, you know, our, our size of school, can you recall another time uh, where a backfield was so loaded? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, two on the, on the Dope Walkers, it's huge. Yeah, and I'm not sure if the, what the Doak Walker did with Buffalo's case because Buffalo's got a couple of backs back that each had a thousand yards last year, and Jared Patterson and Kevin Marks. So not sure if they both made it, but that would be the only other one that pops in my head uh, as far as contending with uh, the, that type of honor. But you're right; if they have two on the, the Doak Walker coming from a group of five, you have to be doing something right. Sure, and uh, switch gears for the other side of the football. Uh, we lose Ron Roberts to Baylor, DC. A uh, huge, huge gap to fill, in my opinion. I, I thought that he brought so many different intangibles to the defense last year. Because of the uncertainty with fall practice and fall preparation, uh, and, and like you mentioned earlier, experience is always a huge deal for, for you guys. Do you expect the defense to miss a beat at all? I know we return plenty of talent. We've got some newcomers that are really going to contribute, but is that a concern for you when you think about Louisiana's defense this year? Well, the fact that head coach is the same as a plus because you know that the defense is not going to change drastically from what it was last year. And I also like the experience level coming back on the defense. And, you know, a player like uh, Joe Dillon is a guy that uh, I think is going to emerge along with Humphrey. So I could see this defense being just as good, if not better, than last year, uh, even with the lack of spring. Seven starters coming back is big. And they said they don't have, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel on defense. They're not changing schemes over there. They're keeping everything basically the same, and that's going to help. I think Joe Dillon is, uh, you're dead on accurate. Uh, if, I, if I remember right, I think he was a freshman 
honorable mention All-American. Yeah, he had, he had six sacks his freshman year. I mean, he, he was a lightning bolt, and uh, I don't think he's been healthy since then. So I think you nailed it with Joe Dillon. I think Joe Dillon's going to be a force in this conference this year. Yeah, seven sacks as a freshman, by the way. Oh, seven sacks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Phil knows the team better. There, there, there's a reason the magazine's called the Bible of college football, Phil. That's correct. <laughs> and, and, you know, speaking of the magazine, I've got it in front of me. Uh, we we want to talk about replacing a stalwart in our UL defense like Jacques Boudreau at middle linebacker. I'm looking at your projected started lineup, and you have Lorenzo McCaskill filling that void. What makes him special in your opinion, to follow up a guy like Jacques Boudreau? Well, you know, he's a guy that, and it's typical for a Juco in the second year to improve as the season goes on, and that's what he did. He improved as the season went on last year, ended up getting in a couple of starts at linebacker, 57 tackles, and that was as a backup. So he shows he can be very productive. And now what I find with Juco's is generally, you know, when the longer they're there, the more they improve. And so you're looking at a guy that's got, Decent size. I mean, six foot. He's he's maybe vertically challenged, but he's two hundred twenty eight pounds, and I think he can bring it. And so he's physical. He's tough, and uh, I think he's going to make that big step this year. Yeah, and he's tough as hell. So I, I totally agree with that. Uh, what do you like about Percy Butler? I know you've mentioned a few times uh, Percy Butler back there. I can tell you from a fan standpoint, um, he's a missile. He hits hard. He plays gritty, uh, and he's got instincts. Do you agree with that assessment? I do agree with that assessment. He's physical, he's fast, uh, and uh, Coach Napier feels he's going to be playing in the NFL. So, I mean, if that's the case, then uh, you got to take it. He's going to be very productive this year uh, as a junior, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him play. I think he's going to get on the national radar this year. Phil, I have one more question for you from the offensive side of the football. It was announced yesterday in a – in a press conference with Coach Napier, that both Jamal Bell and Khalif Gossett would miss the season with injuries. In in your opinion, looking at looking at the UL depth chart, who do you see as maybe a potential fill in for for those two positions? Uh, okay. You said Jamal Bell is gone. Jamal Bell and Khalif Gossett. This is new information to us as of uh, maybe ten a.m. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, with Bell uh, being gone, uh, there's numerous players there to step in. I think a Brian Smith might be the guy. When you look at Brian Smith, he's what, you know, the second-year Juco type. Where And, and I, I throw this out to each coach I talk to when we talk Juco's. I say, you know, first-year uh, Juco's, it's generally a learning year. Second year, it's the guy you recruited. And almost every coach says, yep, that's the case. And so he's a guy that was productive as a Juco. Stepped in last year, got his feet wet. I think you can be looking for him to uh, step up. But it's his time to do it. But keep your eyes on a guy like uh, Reginald Johnson, too, the true freshman. Uh, you know, he's uh, a guy that has all the tools. He's got adequate speed. He's got the size, though, and I think he could step in. Uh, Cassius Allen, potentially. Once again, he's a guy coming that was at the Northeast Oklahoma A&M a couple years ago. And uh, he's in his second year here. So I, I think those guys have the potential to step up. And the good news is, uh, you know, Bell was the leading returning receiver. But uh, the other starters I had up there, Peter LeBlanc and Jalen Williams, are a couple of guys that will be the top two receivers most likely. Yeah, I think the offense will definitely rely on a guy like Peter LeBlanc. He's, he's uh, 
focused. He's a worker, and he's got amnesia, and that's kind of we talked we talked about that on our last episode. But uh, our fan base was very excited about a guy named Kyron Lacy. Uh, some think he's gonna redshirt freshman. Is that is that right, Matt? Is he gonna redshirt this year? I haven't heard that. If not, a guy like Kyron Lacy could probably step up. Uh, Phil, are you familiar with Kyron Lacy and his uh, his signing with, with the program? Six two two ten. Uh, last year at the, as a uh, high school senior, fifty four receptions, eighteen touchdowns. So he's a guy that you can count on in the red zone. No doubt. And if he doesn't redshirt, I, I think you see him on the field. Um, switching gears to a more broad topic, uh, we, all of us really, football fans at large, it's on our minds, I'm sure it's on yours. Do you think COVID and all the things that go along with it change collegiate sports for years to come? Uh, the potential's there. I think, uh, you know, with it thrown out right now that the uh, Power Five conferences are all going to 10-game schedules, uh, I think there may become an appetite for that maybe where it's more power five versus power five down the stretch, maybe four, 16 team super conferences, things like that. I, I think the, the appetite has been whetted for that, but uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, guys, we don't know what the heck's going to happen next week for crying out loud, let alone down the road. So at this point, you know, all those things where you think you, you got it all figured out and then this stuff happens and uh, you don't have it figured out anymore. Right, and uh, at very worst, it's a trial run to see how it goes. And I mean, they're not going to lose money on TV contracts and ticket sales and concessions. So it is it is a worry for G5 programs like us, and we've had extensive conversation on it, so we figured it'd bring, we'd bring it up with you. Sure, sure. Uh, do you still do a little a little gambling prognostications? Or? Yeah, I do a weekly newsletter uh, for uh, Phil Seal, and it's uh, called Inside the Press Box. And so uh, that always gives you like my seven top plays for the week and uh, gives you a little breakdown of each game, gives you a complete statistical breakdown of each one. Also gives you access to my website, uh, philseal.com, which is just, I mean, you want to know anything about any team in the last 12 years, it's all up there on philseal.com. I've got the website loaded so I can use it for quick, easy access. But uh, yeah, the, the newsletter is called Inside the Press Box. Well, we're signing up. Raging Review is going to be your newest, your newest members. Uh, <laughs> so, Louisiana win total right now, nine and a half per odd shark. I personally think it's easy money on the over. What does Phil Steele think? Uh, I would take the over. The only game I have an underdog in all year would be the App State game. And uh, the other than that, yeah, as long as you're playing 12 games, I got to go over nine and a half. I don't see any other game to be an underdog in this year. So, that's, that looks pretty easy. Sure, and plus 300 to win the belt, and I know how you feel about that. You feel like App State and Louisiana are neck and neck, so I'm getting pretty good value there at plus 300. Yeah, definitely. And generally, when you got two teams like that uh, that are neck and neck, it's uh, it, the, the odds are a lot tighter, and 3-1 uh, to one is pretty good for Louisiana in this case, especially with the fact uh, that they've been to the, the title game the last two years. Absolutely. Uh, I know we're running short on time here, so... Matt and I decided before we want to do the interview that we'd like to focus on on you a little bit because uh, many times we hear you on the radio, we hear you doing all these these radio tours, and we I wonder what happens behind the scenes. So one of the questions we we talked about was that you know what was a seminal moment for the magazine and and your little you know at the time fledgling uh, company? What was something that launched the magazine into prominence, national prominence? Uh, I think just getting the magazine, out. you know, the first year we put it out, guys, it was black and white. It was on newsprint. 
And uh, it was 188 pages, not the 352 pages it is now. We covered, I believe, 88 of the teams at the time. And, but the amount of information we had on each page, the setup is very similar to that first magazine. And what happened was the second we were able to get on the newsstands and people got a copy in their hands, they said, well, I've got to have this information the next year. So the next year we got on more newsstands, more people bought it, but everybody who bought it the first year stayed with it. And it seems what we do is once we get the magazine into somebody's hands, they have to have this magazine. They have to have this type of information. It's got about four times the amount of information. I like to say it's like having 130 different media guides rolled into one, except it's a lot better because all the information is on the same spot for every page and every And we get the same amount of coverage in Louisiana that we do to Oklahoma, USC, and Alabama, two full pages. So the, the main thing, I, the seminal point was probably getting the magazine in people's hands. We went to full color, I think, oh, year five, year six, which helped the aesthetics a little bit maybe. Maybe that helped us get a little more of the general population where in the beginning we were just pretty much for the hardcore football fan. I've been buying the magazine for close to 20 years now, and I can tell you the reason why is because you treated our team like you treated the the Blue Bloods, top of the mountain. So I can tell you this from a fan standpoint. I appreciate it very much. I've also used it to make my futures picks for about 10 years. <laughs> so, Matt. Yeah, Phil, you know, uh, you've been doing, it says, according to your LinkedIn profile, that you've been the owner, editor, and publisher since 1982. You know, from where you started to where the magazine is today, being the most accurate magazine in college football over the last 20-plus years, how rewarding is that for you, and did you ever expect the success that you've had? Yeah, back in 82, I was just doing a football newsletter uh, back then. So it was just uh, writing a football newsletter, and what I would do is buy the college football preview magazines that were out there for my information. But the problem was, guys, they never gave me enough information. So I started compiling it myself, and that's where we got the idea for the magazine. Somebody came by my desk and said, all this stuff you have on every page for every team, put that into a magazine. So we did it, and we started, the first magazine was 26 years ago. And uh, yes, I am very, very proud and very uh, pleased with where the magazine has gone throughout the years. And now it's generally regarded as the Bible of college football. And, you know, there's a lot of long hours involved, guys, but when you get compliments like that, it sort of keeps the fire burning and, and keeps you going towards the next year each year, uh, despite the long work hours. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Phil. You know, Josh and I are both very appreciative of the magazine. We both had a copy in front of us today doing doing this interview with you. And, uh, you know, like we said at the top of the show, we, we can't appreciate it enough that, that you, were, you took the time to join us today. And uh, maybe we can talk again soon uh, throughout the season or maybe even next year. All right, that sounds good, guys. Hey, it was a lot of fun talking football. Always good to talk Louisiana football because they have a hell of a team. So uh, I look forward to doing this again. It was a lot of fun today. And, uh, oh, just one quick note for your listeners out there, by the way. If you normally get the magazine and you're going everywhere to get it, you know, grocery stores, every bookstore, Walmart, all those places, don't waste your gas this year. It's only available at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. That's the only two locations it's at this year, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and philsteel.com are the only three places. And we've only printed one-fourth the amount of magazines that we normally print. So it's a very limited quantity, only available at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. Phil, appreciate you so much, man. You are the man. And if uh, if the magazine's the Bible, you're a scribe. We appreciate you very much. <laughs> Looking forward to speaking to you All next right. year. Hey, thanks, guys. A lot of fun talking football with you today. Take care.
All right. Thank you.